know I don't like Deadpool. What? I know. Logan, starring Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Patrick Swayze for some reason. Like... That would have really been something. Nobody puts Wolvie in the corner. Yeah. Oh. oh, that was good. Other than that, the Oscars were pretty boring. Yeah, so. I guess for <laughs> Warren Beatty, the rules really don't apply. No. Oh. <sighs> Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the third Wolverine standalone film, which is Logan, starring Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back into Film Tank. This is episode 104, and I am Alex Diekman, along with my usual co-hosts, Nick Cheney and Toussaint Egan. I hurt myself today. Was that Johnny Cash? Wow. Yeah. That was that was not awful. Yep. Sorry, fuck you. <laughs> no. Actually, it was Trent Reznor. Fuck you. Also, not I mean, great. I think you were technically doing the Johnny Cash version. Yeah. Technically. Hey. Hi, Hi Nick. Nick. How's doing? it going, man? Uh, all right. You got to see Logan. That's exciting. You know, Finally. this was the first day in years that a superhero movie was worth worth going to sit down and see. And I'm not even saying that that's a reflect. A reflection of my opinion of the movie, which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't had this kind of palpable sense of hype in my own personal, of like, wanting to see a superhero movie. Uh, It was Boyd Holbrook that did it, right? You know, I got thoughts about him, too. (laughs) As do I. (laughs) We'll get there. But first, we have to uh, at least have a small comment on the the elephant in the room, which is... uh, Too (laughs) sad. Listen, uh, 103 episodes have been great. Yeah. Unfortunately, we decided that we're going to go in a different direction. (laughs) We really want this to be a wider podcast. Oh, my God. You're starting to sound like our president. This is great. It's not a ban. It's just (laughs) it's a breakup. (laughs) So, anyways, speaking of racial tensions, uh, (laughs) wanted to... Talk about the finale of the 2017 Academy Awards, which ended with La La Land winning and then not winning uh, the award for Best Picture and Moonlight getting presented the award from the people in La La Land, which was really something uh, to see actually uh, itself. More, uh, you know, obviously, uh, it takes away a little bit from Moonlight's win as it turned into this enormous fiasco. But um, let me. I, I, I'll say this though: the the idea of something being unprecedented um, definitely goes hand in hand with hopefully moving on into the future, where we can now we've gotten past this silly huge event. And now we can all continue on with our lives where black films that aren't about slavery can also win awards. They just have to go through a hoop of well, <laughs> giving in a white person. <laughs> no, but let me ask you a question. If it were the other way around, though. Asking who a question. If, if it were the other way around. and, yeah, and People keep saying that. And, and it's, it, it's, it's actually not like it's not that much worse and that much better. It, it, this was supposed to be mm-hmm. a historical moment yeah. for, I, you know, what I would call black cinema in general. And now this will be remembered as a historical moment for the time that it got the wrong best picture nominee wrong for 10 minutes. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, I don't know that that is that much better that well, no, the, the I mean, racial, you know, yeah. If, if you have this, than, if you have a historical moment and then you say, please give the award to the white people who save jazz. I mean, but that's what happens every Oscar. So I don't know that that would be in the long term. It would have it felt, it would have felt way well, felt, different. No, I'm not saying it wouldn't have been different, but people are saying it would have been so much worse. I agree. And Can I get my opinion on this? Sure. No. 
All right. So I'm leaning towards Nick on this on this sort of spectrum because you're right. Like when I learned about this, because I didn't watch the Oscars, because fuck it, I don't give a shit. Um, I learned about it the morning after, and I watched that clip, and I just everyone else that I was watching with was sort of like laughing. I was just like, this is absolutely ridiculous and horrible. And I was like, and I was just kind of like stone faced. Cause I was like, wow, it's, th- this is frankly, I hope that this is a mistake. Like I, 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 I hope that this is a mistake because this feels like the most petty and malicious way to try to eclipse something that is otherwise so momentous and so beautiful. And it just really, it really got under my skin in in the worst kind of way. I feel like not not only just, it's not only because I I love Moonlight. It was my favorite film of last year. It's my top film of last year. I'm really glad that it won. Um, I don't think that necessarily that the accolade of of the Academy necessarily has to somehow uh, bolster its 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 of its importance or its value or its merit. But it was really nice to finally see that happen and for this to happen. In the way that it did, it I feel like it inevitably does rob it of that moment and it a little bit. And because we're still talking about that gaffe, we're not talking about holy shit, moon like it's always preceded by what happened directly before it. What yeah. if people though see that's the only thing. What is, what? would have people said would have people still been talking about moonlight four days later? If it had just won Best Picture. And... Yeah, because that movie is actually good and La La Land is yeah. overrated okay. shit. Okay, that's fine. I, I think you're not quite grasping what I'm saying. Is that you're saying we're not talking about the film winning Best Picture. We're talking about this. That's like saying if, if Moonlight would anybody won... talk about Black Lives Matters if they didn't see no, black if, people getting if, ma- if, mace in the face or something. You know, if you know Moonlight had won have won the Academy Award like it did and if that gaffe had not happened yes people would still be talking about Moonlight the headlines would be first black director wins best picture for I mean you know that there is a momentous thing here that is incredibly way more important first black director wins best picture well yeah I don't think that it's not I'm searching for my archives and I can't find what's a black 12 years a slave one best picture oh okay fine but Okay, fine. But as far as the overall... Yes, that is true. Yeah. Um, But as far as the overall... um, The magnitude of that... First of all, is that the only one? (laughs) I mean, yes, but it would... These are the exception to the rule. But in general... (laughs) It 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 happened. Okay. That's fine. But I guess it's just very silly to say, if it was the other way around, this would be chaos. Like, no, it's already chaos because something great happened, and all we can talk about is a gif. I Cats mean, and dogs and black people, oh my. And, and here's another thing. I So my question earlier was going to be for Alex because I think I know the answer, which is, um, did you watch this live? Yeah. Okay, so you obviously watched it completely live. Yes. Had no idea it was coming. And unlike apparently everybody else, I didn't turn it off after La La Land won. <laughs> I'm... That says, I think, more about La La Land probably than about um, me as a person. You just wanted to see what their actual speech was and give what, a shit less about best animated short speech. But What I don't understand is I didn't watch this live because I was in a land without cable, also known as Minnesota. Um, and so, of course, I'm following on Twitter and I see people going crazy. Like My mom texted me saying, La La Land won. And right. So I texted her and said, fuck. And, the, <laughs> and don't then text was, your mother that, Nicholas. And then, um, and then she texted. Well, then all of a sudden, like my phone started blowing up. So then I ignored her text, and then I went to Twitter, and I'm like, because she just said like, "Oh my god," or whatever. So then I'm looking at Twitter, and what I don't understand as someone who didn't watch it live, so I can't comment on a person who only experienced it as it happened. But the recap and the commentary about what happened was so incredulous and so in my opinion like did did no did anybody actually pay attention because the way it actually happened was in nothing I just don't understand. I always saw was Warren Beatty read the wrong thing, and then about how how could this happen? And ever and when I finally saw the saw the clip, like thirty minutes later when it was posted online or whatever, all I saw was a completely avoidable <laughs> mistake, and one that actually Warren Beatty didn't make either. It was Faye Dunaway. So I I just that's the other thing is like that's what's so stupid well, about this entire moment. Um, I will say that the problem with that 
not, not problem with. I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, everyone has their own opinion. When you're watching it happen live and you have no comprehension of actually what is happening, right? It's a much different. Which that's beast why I'm than saying when. I don't have that experience. Yeah, no, but the, I still don't the, understand why. Why did? Why did nobody? Why the, was nobody uh, saying the word Faye Dunaway? I didn't even know she was on stage. Well, okay, until so, I saw the clip, so, so, and then so so here's it's her. <laughs> here's at least my interpretation, and of course my initial thought was, "What the fuck, Warren Beatty?" Because I know because I, I saw your status. I right. said Warren Beatty. I saw everybody else's tweets. Right. Yeah. But the problem was again, as as I mentioned before, we started recording. Is the the um, I can't remember the producer from La La Land, Justin Horowitz. Yeah, I think it was actually Jordan because there's Jordan? two of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jordan Horowitz. He holds up the he holds up the Moonlight winning thing. Yeah, it's almost like a fucking magic trick. Like all of a sudden he's got yeah. it because we found out now that the accountant came on stage to give it. Correct. To him. Right, right, right. But unless you had previous knowledge of that, which of right. course no one watching at home did. But if Warren Beatty didn't like... say the winner, why were people talking about Warren Beatty? Like that's what I didn't understand. He did. I thought Faye Dunaway took it from him. She did. And then he took it back and then they were the odd couple. And then he said, Oh, and then she's like, Oh, cause uh, I mean, it was very bizarre anyways, yeah, but yeah. Warren Beatty's a very bizarre person. So I thought nothing of it. That's <laughs> um, true. But uh, holy but, but, shit! But how do you read um, Emma Stone for La La Land and not immediately understand what just happened? Yeah, I. <laughs> I mean, the problem is too is that the the card says what the the award is for. I mean, there's so many yeah. other problems with this entire situation, and obviously, already those two clowns who were the accountants have already been canned and. Everyone has just shamed the fuck out of them for every single thing they did, which... Which is very silly, because yeah. as much as they made an awful mistake and very stupid, and clearly, yeah, we see that they were tweeting, right, yeah. at that moment, whatever, but all extremely normal human behavior sure. that would have happened, whether yeah. it messed up or not. The, uh, the, 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 but, biggest, the biggest problem with them yeah. is that they recognized this mistake long before the, uh, the winner was announced and just thought, what do we do? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean... Like I, 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 that's the problem with this being somewhat of an unprecedented situation is because they didn't know how to react, and they thought, oh, maybe he'll just say the right thing and it'll Which be makes fine. No sense, because right? Because he doesn't have anything that could possibly be saying moonlight. Uh, rules yeah. don't apply. <laughs> Best well, yeah. picture. Um. So it would. The whole thing was just yeah. absolutely just obnoxiously ridiculous. And this conversation right here is mm-hmm. why I still stand firm that this is. Why this moment doesn't matter if it worked backwards or forwards. It fucking it would completely have been... eclipses anything that Moonlight achieved. Not literally. I mean, Moonlight is an achievement in and of itself, and it's a great movie, and hopefully more people will, yeah, sure, watch it because of this. But <laughs> that is a horrible state of affairs if the only way to get the U.S. population or the world's population to watch a movie about a black teen in the closet living in an impoverished in a region that we're, a lot of people are unfamiliar with is only if they there's a huge gap at the Oscars. Like, they don't deserve that movie. Did, you, did you see the newspaper uh, headline for the one Get Out review? Where it was just like, get out, a, finally a film that makes racism terrifying. <laughs> no. you, you didn't see that? No, but that sounds wonderful. I'll show you that. Please do. Like, yeah. these are the same people that you're talking about yeah. right now. Finally, racism is terrifying. Well, another thing that nobody, I, feel, I mean, maybe they are, because I'm obviously not as uh, in sync with today's Youth. social media. Yeah, that's also true. I'm going to be 30 in a month and a half. Fuck. Um, <laughs> Age is how, but a number. However. Look at the bright side. You might not make it. What a piece. You've said that before. <laughs> I um, like to joke about people dying. I'm sorry. Uh, um, so on the other side of the coin, while you haven't heard anybody, you've heard. Okay. Let me rephrase that. You've heard people, as you say, Nick, and it is true talking a lot about uh, the gaffe at the Oscars and not about Moonlight, the film that actually won. Although, something to be said, and although this is a cynical view, but that's the kind of person I am, unfortunately. I feel like if that doesn't happen and Moonlight just wins, I feel like you're going to have people going on the internet and writing bullshit about how 
the only reason that Moonlight won People is because... People are going to write those pieces anyway, and probably especially of. I've seen conspiracy theories about how... Well, two things. About how Moonlight somehow stole it from them. Mm-hmm. Like, they only had to do that because of whatever. Or I've even seen even more fucked up things that said, like, La La Land should have been awarded it no matter what, just on the technicality that it gets. So, if what anything, are, are, it's bringing are, out the worst are, are, are in are some they, people. Are they three-year-olds playing Candyland? <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I, like, Alex, Alex, like, You've you've seen. Don't the, give you, people an excuse to be racist. You've, you've, you've seen the MS Paint conspiracy map of Star Wars of The Force Awakens, where they allege that J.J. Abrams is trying to create some propaganda machine to encourage like interracial relationships, and then calling BB-8 the little white cuckball. Like these people are fucking yeah. idiots. No. They're idiots. Like, I didn't know you, he had that nickname. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fucking the hilarious. It's on the I, I literally can't look at it now and not laugh at it. All I have to say is that, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, will, I will end with, with this. Yeah. As, as also being the only person who watched this live. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched this with my wife. Both of us very much enjoyed La La Land. And following the Oscars, we both said to each other that we were happy that Moonlight won instead of La La Land. So I don't think this incident happening necessarily completely takes away from Moonlight winning Best Pick. Now, that being said, I watch a lot more films than people do. I also want to see more films like Moonlight come about that aren't just about slavery or... Mates. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, And yeah... Even so, we got a Jimmy Kimmel gay hand job joke uh, in in the Oscars. Did so we? Was, uh, it did mm. happen. Yeah. Oh, I missed a lot. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, other than that, the Oscars were pretty boring. Yeah, so. I guess for <laughs> Warren Beatty, the rules really don't apply. Oh, no. Oh. So today we wait. Are... Can I just say, sorry, really no, quick, please, one more yeah. thing. Um, this means that in like a year or two, when Damien Chazelle gets nominated for Best Picture for his Neil Armstrong movie, because that kind of movie will eat all the money and all the parade, I think. Uh, and then if he accidentally, oh, no, not accidentally, <laughs> if he ends up winning Best Picture, we are in for a lot of like jokes like, oh, are you sure? Did you read the card, Warren? Warren, are you out there? Am I being punked? And I'm not looking forward to that. Warren yeah, he'll, he'll probably be dead by then. Mm. That's true. Mm. Damn, this is really morbid. It's almost as if... You're going to die, too. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Honestly, I didn't know he was still alive until that Rules Don't Apply movie came out. I don't think he did until he read the wrong name. (laughs) Am I alive or am I dead? Faye Dunaway and her Botox. I think he was just having a stroke. He was just like, la, 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 la. Wow. He he didn't say it. Oh, we are. He wasn't saying it. Wait, he didn't say it? He didn't say it. Who said it? He did. So you said he said it. Because he did. No, she said it. Yeah, see, I think she said it, too. All right. Which makes the whole thing even more bizarre. All right, let's talk about the movie. Can film. we? Yeah. Because that'd be great, because yeah. I really don't need to think about this Whenever anymore, to be totally honest with you. Become... You can look at this later, Nick. We're not stopping the episode for you to look up who said it. I never asked you to stop the episode. Mm, you're just going to keep doing this, though, so great. Thank you. Continue. You do it on silent. Oh, God. So the movie we are talking about today is Logan, the R-rated... Uh, Wolverine film starring Hugh Jackman. This film takes place in a near future where a wary Logan cares for an alien Professor X in a hideout on the Mexican border. However, Logan's attempt to hide from the world and his legacy are upended when a young mutant arrives being pursued by dark forces. The film also stars Patrick Stewart, the aforementioned Boyd Holbrook, also, Stephen Marchand shows up as Caliban, and also we get an introduction into Daphne Keene, who plays the character of Laura, or Wolverine's offspring. So, <laughs> um, Nick, uh, I know you really enjoyed the first uh, Wolverine film that James Mangold did. You were very much looking forward to this, specifically... Uh, when you found out that James Mangold will be directing and also at the same time that this would be R-rated. And this is definitely an R-rated film for sure. 
So why don't you start us off and give us your overall thoughts? As you did already say, this was a superhero movie that you actually were looking forward to. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't we take you back to a year? <laughs> the year is, what was it, 1999 that the first X-Men came out? Maybe. Anyway, around then. It feels like somewhere between 1999 <laughs> and 2001. Yeah. That movie 2000. was... 2000. is Okay. Yeah, that movie was the first superhero movie I ever watched. I never watched any of the Batman movies when I was growing up, so I really had not seen superhero on celluloid before that moment. And a lot of the reasons why I'm still watching uh, the X-Men franchise to this day is because of Hugh Jackman and what he did with Wolverine then and the way he continued uh, to evolve with his character. Um, Here we are, 2017. And yes, as we mentioned on this podcast, I was a huge fan of uh, The Wolverine, the James Mangold film. And I got to say that that movie, I still think, I, I still think it's, a great movie, not a perfect one or anything like that. There's a lot of flaws, but what I love most about that movie is I could see a director taking an interest in a character that I also have an interest in and wanting to supplant him in cinema rather than uh, making, you know, a quote unquote superhero movie, which I'm not saying as a pejorative, but just as a definition and uh, a set of parameters of what it would include. Um, And, Unfortunately, Deadpool had not been created yet, the, the, the Fox breakout movie, not the character. Um, because back then, when he made The Wolverine, the studio mercilessly uh, cut his movie apart, both, I think, in production and in post-production. So the closest thing we have to what I think is the original idea for that movie is that unrated, R-rated cut, whatever. Which, which is I, still watered down. Yeah, it is still watered down, yeah. and, but I, I enjoy it, and I love what he tried to do with uh, supplanting uh, Wolvie in a samurai setting, and but modern day. So, of course, now we're here in uh, Hugh Jackman's supposed uh, last outing as Wolverine. And it's uh, extremely obvious that, once again, Mangold is uh, trying to infuse another genre here with Western. But even, like, that alone is even more fitting, I think, to uh, Wolverine slash Logan's character and arc. Because if in the Wolverine, the movie... um, the samurai thing works for me because that's a fish out of water story. You know, he's uh, both a, you know, a ronin, a samurai without a master, but he's also a person wandering into that. Where here, he's reclusive, uh, more reclusive, and actually um, going back into both himself and to territory that he's much more uh, familiar and comfortable in. Um, so, with that being said, um, Logan the movie is. Everything I tried to tell people the Wolverine was. So I'm going to say right here, it's a much better movie, but it's exactly what I saw in the previous installment. Um, I thought this was fantastic. I thought this was my personal favorite superhero movie I've seen in a while. Like, I don't remember the last time I left one feeling incredibly satisfied. Um, I'm already can't wait to go see it again in the theaters, personally. Um what works about this is that this is we've had a long, long line of superhero movies recently try to deal with the battle of like do do superheroes ultimately do good if all they do is kill people, and here that's taken to its most brutal extreme and actually wrestles with it in a pretty profound, not complex, but emotional way um and i absolutely love that there are real stakes in this movie there are real deaths um even when the movie is like quenching the audience's bloodthirst with claws going through throats and such it is still something that is both kind of awe-inspiring but also cringe you know cringeworthy because it is just so relentless and it gets to be exhausting so by the end of the movie i'm starting to feel like logan himself because it is just to no end and um you started you st- 
the Wolverine, the mythos, the creature, starts to lose his appeal. Not Logan, but, um, you know, the idea that he is someone to, you know, have an action figure of or, um, you know, to read comics about. It just starts to feel a little sad. And, um, yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts about this movie. Um, but overall, it's not so much that it's a perfect movie, but nothing about it disappointed me. And that's all I could have really asked for. So I'm I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of Nick's points. I think that just sort of prefacing my opinions about Logan, I've seen every single X Men film, and not necessarily because I sought it out. It's just one of those things that's part of like. Oh, the... we sat down and watched X Men Wolverine Origins last year. Oh yeah, I oh, know. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. I remember <laughs> that. Um, and I've seen almost every single major like superhero film that's come out in like the past five years just because it's not even a sense of like candid obligation. It's just one of those things that it's the 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 gravity of, of a of a tentpole film is what attracts you to it and you just sort of get used to the sort of formulaic like paces of a superhero film. It's just one of those nauseating things that you just wish somebody would just like take a sledgehammer to and just actually do something that could exist on its own while also existing within the the mold of of a superhero film because you know you can't break your mold like, like that. It's like you just got to like live within it and just like do something interesting with it. And I feel like this is what Logan did. I feel like I got to see these characters in such a a low and pathetic and really desperate point in their lives that I've never really I've seen these characters on screen multiple times going up against multiple world-ending threats, and I can honestly say that I have never seen these characters being laid so low and so, so desperate and just so depressing at the same time. And I find it compelling. Are you saying you've never seen Wolverine carry Professor X to the bathroom so he could pee before? No, I've never <laughs> seen him do that I mean, before. That, and it's just, yeah. it's just it's such a... Who was doing it before? It feels like such a, somebody, right? a <laughs> profoundly maybe a Hank? chair. Hank! The the scenes where where Wolverine is taking care of Professor X and they're just like arguing and bickering with one another and like hearing just like Professor X just completely shed his like normally very calm and sage like persona and just like telling Logan to just fuck off and how he's just such fucking asshole and they're just like trading bars with one another. You can tell that both of these people have lost so much. They have been ground down so low and they are no longer superheroes. They are not superheroes at all. They're just trying to like survive or at least not die. Um, and there's two different very there's two very different definitions between not dying and surviving. Um yeah, it just felt very deeply human to me, and I felt like the the violence that was in it, like that that was very compelling. But that was far from the most compelling part of this entire film. I just, I, I really did love it from from bookend to bookend, and I'm actually looking forward to. This is the first time I actually feel like I'm looking forward to actually going to see a superhero film in theaters where my friends are not dragging me to go see it because they need to see it. It's like, no, I want to go see it. So, yeah. Right on. Can I say a small note? Please. Which is what you just said. Uh, My favorite use of the R rating here was not the violence and not the... Hugh Jackman saying the F word, but was uh, Charles Xavier telling Wolverine to fuck off because I've been waiting for that for a while. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway. You're a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, he's oh. clearly. Uh, he's, he's lost all his fucks. He's gotten a little lippy at his old age. That's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought this was quite good. Um, I, I, I won't say this is my favorite X Men film because I don't think it is. Um, I. I think I still prefer probably at least um, the two newer ones with Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy to mm-hmm. this um, personally because it has a lot of characters that I like and a lot of performances that I like. But that really doesn't say anything bad about this film because this film uh, took a direction that I previously had no interest in and turned it into a honestly wonderful film. And um, 
Yeah, it was a uh, overall just a really, really strong film. Um, something that Nick, I know that you know this pulls at my my heartstrings pretty well. Um, killing off major characters in series films is something that is very near and dear to me. And this film goes right for it, and uh, it is fantastic. Yeah, I've got to say, and um, you know, I, I, the, very the, symbolic. In the yes, sense that the the older generation is literally gone at the end of this movie. Yep, and um, I, I think that's why, because for a lot of this film, because I thought the first thirty to forty minutes actually were really really fantastic. Um, I feel like there was definitely a bit of a lull in the middle, and not just in within the action, but within the story. I felt like it got a little caught up in trying to move the characters from the first act to the third act. Not necessarily that it's bad, but on a first viewing, that was just kind of what I picked up. But um, we see just this idea of multiple storylines that involve... A, Wolverine, and Logan converging. Um, I think that's what ultimately makes this a huge win for me, is that where I felt like the Wolverine got so focused on trying to tell this story that people don't know who love the X-Men movies and trying to get more into it, I felt like this film tries to merge the X-Men version of Wolverine and the version that James Mangold wants to tell together, which is why I think a lot of people are going to gravitate towards this film, because... I think this is a mix of what uh, people really want and the story he wanted to tell, which I think um, is is quite important because if you try to go too far away, people in general aren't going to gravitate towards it, which is unfortunately I think kind of what happened with the Wolverine is that got too far away from the superhero aspect where this it does. But at the same time, there are so many instances where it feels it feels like there's a connection to the X-Men films Here, more so. Here's what I'll say about Logan versus the Wolverine, even if it's silly to compare them. Um, Logan has the unfair advantage of being in a more important chapter, no matter what the plot is. This is the final chapter, so it's allowed to do things that no other previous installment is allowed to do. Um, but at the end of the day, even if Logan, I concede, is better written, better directed, at the end of the day, it's a similar story. It's uh, literally, you know, in the Wolverine, he gets caught up in somebody else's bullshit, has to uh, be a bodyguard to a teen girl, uh, and has to make sure she gets to her destination for, uh, you know, so I'm just saying... I mean, that's similar, but this is obviously a lot more personal to Are you describing the first X-Men film? Right, I'm just saying it's a story that always happens to Wolverine. However... I'm not saying that the the Wolverine isn't a mess or anything like that, or that it's not somewhat more disjointed because of its nature of taking place literally outside of kind of the foreseeable X-Men universe, Mm. but I, I, I still think the only thing wrong with that movie is studio interference. But okay. That's, that's me. Well, uh, two things I'll hit really quickly before we'll, we'll open it up a little more here that really made this a very, very good film to me. Um, were, hey, the only thing that could kill Logan was Logan because the newer, better version of Wolverine, which we can get into that a little bit, uh, basically is his somewhat undoing, although his own... Uh, terrible treatment of himself had part to do with it. And the idea of him going back to Canada too is also uh, just absolutely fantastic. So I I thought this was a very enjoyable film and I have a lot more thoughts. So let's open it up. Yeah. Um, His alcoholism, the fact that he was fighting against something that was, I guess in, in some view, a perfect copy of himself and, also making note of the fact that they, they, they touched on this before is like they knew, he knew what was poisoning him. And that was the adamantium skeleton that was put into him like so many years ago that we know him by for like his claws. Like he was originally a mutant before that, but that sort of just kind of like augmented him and like made him like the person that he, the, the monster, the, the killing machine that he is now. And it just seems like that process for however advanced it was, it wasn't perfect. Um, it started to, to degrade and eventually like travel through his bloodstream and like 
have an effect on his natural mutant ability to be able to heal himself. And so now he's actually like rapidly aging and like dying, um, which is not something that he's used to. Um, this man stormed the fucking beaches of Iwo Jima. goddamn, And he's just getting beat up by cholo gangsters on the border. Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was extremely happy with Logan finally making the subtext text <laughs> when it comes to Logan himself is, I think at least, in all of, I would say, cinematic depiction of superhero, not in the vast world of comic books or anything like that, but is our only true self-loathing superhero. Like, there are brooding mm-hmm. superheroes and there are cynical whatever, but you know, suicidal, emo, Mm. like, actual wish I was dead, um, and how, you know, like, the thing is... If if Marvel went a little harder on Iron Man, he'd probably be closer to that, but... Yeah. But, like, even... Iron Man 2 was sort of hinting at, where it was kind of flirting with that whole arc of him and his alcoholism, but, like, they never really went in. Yeah, because it's Disney. It also starred Gary Shandling, so it's uh, it's hard to reach that. (laughs) I say that as someone who loves Gary Shandling, but... It's it's hard to reach that that level of pathos of Gary Shandling in the proximity. The two don't really mix. Um, And Mickey Rourke with an accent. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, you know... um, well, I mean, even someone like Batman, who everybody, especially like when they talk about the Dark Knight trilogy and whatever, which I'm not going to slander, but I think a lot of people mistake the Dark Knight for like more broody than it really is because something somebody like Bruce Wayne is a victim of circumstance, not a victim of himself. Sure, he can perpetuate his own loneliness or whatever, but he has a very always touted origin story, which is that his parents were killed when he was a child, so he lost his innocence, you know, whatever. Wolverine is a person who is his own worst enemy. So that, because of that, that Logan, the movie itself, would actually make that extremely blunt and um, make him fight himself is both something that makes me roll my eyes, but also, like, it can't end any other way. And not only that, but I love the idea that um, like this goes more, like further than the fact that if this is you know this is not just Link versus Dark Link. <laughs> this, <laughs> just hops on his fucking adamantium like claws yeah. and just bounces there and like kicks him in the face. We're in the Water Temple. You're in the Water Temple. <laughs> Thank you for repeating me. <laughs> I am your Dark Nick. Oh wow! Yeah, you're dark. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, but what I liked about the the symbolism behind, I think X24 is what he is, um, is that not only is he just like the blunt symbolism of Wolverine Logan fighting himself, but he's also fighting the version of himself that he wished he was, even though he knows by the end that that's not what he wants, which is someone who can have he's no... He's a machine. He's yes, a Terminator. A machine yeah. who can have no connections to others, and that's why Logan versus Wolverine, but Logan himself has always been a fascinating character because that person inside him has always overruled that machine aspect no matter how much he became a beast no matter how much like there was always that you know man named logan inside of him Uh, i do have a question for any comic book enthusiasts out there or not but just in general so is james howlett was that a name that's ever been used before uh, actually, that name was used because that's his actual name. So that is his, okay, because I didn't, I've never actually known that before. Yeah, um, I, I believe so Logan's that, his chosen name, like he just chose that. Like, I don't know the exact story, and I, again, I'm not big into the comics. I know the name James Howlett is used, actually, yeah, funny, it gets brought up for a second time, in the Wolverine Origins film. Oh, so, the origin. Okay. So um, at least it's not that We I, have him as a child screaming into the oh, yeah, roof after yeah. he murders his parents. Uh, <laughs> it it's easy to forget about that one. That is true. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much there for you in that last uh, probably 25 minutes. Um, the death of Patrick Stewart uh, at the hands of the machine Wolverine is is also really something. Yeah, especially since in in terms of the f- the films, that's pretty much his, been his sole purpose is to try to get Logan to be more of a member of a team instead of just 
a lone wolf. <laughs> so <laughs> the idea of this mechanical version of Wolverine just sticking his claws into his heart is yeah. fascinating Speaking to me. Speaking of lone wolf, as much as this is a Western, this most reminds me of lone wolf and cub. Uh, you know, you oh got, yeah, you got Wolfie and yeah. his, his little, but uh, making adventures. All I need is a little cart. That's what right. did uh, what did you guys think about Laura? Let's get I there. Thought no. uh, Laura, the character was fantastic, and I thought the performance was even better. Like, uh, it's pretty great that she had no lines, and yet she feels like a fully formed. I mean, not no lines, uh, oh, but yeah. but even before that, she feels like a fully formed character somehow um, without. Ever like it's never her story, which I thought was good because this is the last Wolverine movie, mm-hmm. so we don't need another person. But somehow, by the time he quote unquote learns to love again, <laughs> it the movie has completely earned that with an all new character, and that's a pretty tough feat. Yeah, I um, when I was watching the film, the one thing that kind of brought came to mind, like as a comparison, uh, at least between two pieces of media, what what I sort of got from Logan was it, it kind of reminded me of this game called the last of us. I don't know if you know yeah. of it, but Joel just, and Ellie. yeah, Joel and Ellie. And it was like, Joel is Except Ellie talks a lot. Yeah. Ellie talks a lot and she curses a lot too. And it's like, and I actually like the, the, the note of, uh, Laura, how she talks in Spanish. Yeah. It's like, it, it makes sense because she was raised in transigen, like with like, Spanish Mexican t- caretakers, and that's all they would sp- teach her how to speak. And I was just like, oh, I love that. It's, yeah. it's great. And, I, oh. Yeah, and it's like it, it just had that sort of fatalistic, almost apocalyptic vibe about it because all these mutants are dead. They don't really go out of their way to explain why they're dead. You sort of like, yeah, they didn't want to no, pay for they, the rights. They, <laughs> they sort of just like talk about the implications of like why they might be dead and how that kind of like changes the world around them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just thought that it had a lot more gravitas and a lot speaking more emotion of, because of speaking it. Speaking of they didn't want to pay for the rights, Professor X is never referred to by that name or by Xavier or Charles at the same time. Oh, I thought it was interesting how they they originally gave... Did they they really not have the rights? I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I assume that they do, but it was, 20th biz- century. it was bizarre that they went... It seemed out of their way to not refer to him in I still, the, more than a one I, name at a time. Concerning I, names, I thought it was interesting how the, that one family that they helped with the horses... Like called him Chuck. I thought that was just Log- cute. Logan gave his name as James. Gave his daughter's name. Gave Charles Xavier's name as Chuck. And over the course of their dinner, like Charles says, Logan calls him Logan, and Logan calls Chuck Charles. And there was never any like like side eye from the family. They just sort of like. They sort of honed in on the fact of like, yeah, these guys aren't. That's not, that's not their name, but we like them. They just kidnapped this little girl. Um, <sighs> no, actually, I kind of noticed the same. Midnight thing Special you, Two. <laughs> I kind of noticed the same thing you noticed, Alex, but I never it never struck me as the right thing because I actually thought it was more of a way to imbue this with a sense of. I don't know, profundity that goes beyond superheroes. Like, yeah, you're not and, always going to say Peter Parker instead and, of just and, Peter. And I, I don't disagree. It was just the odd to, it was odd to me that the entire film went on without them yeah. using more than one name at a time. Yeah, and I, because <laughs> I think it all goes back to the title of the movie. Yeah. Uh, I got a name playing in the gas station. I mean, you know, the, that these people are no longer their myths. They're just sure. the broken shell that they yeah. left behind. Um, another thing I was going to mention was that. I love all of the Western cliches that never really felt like, not that they were subtle, but they weren't blunt. Like, it's kind of amazing how many uh, tropes they go through of the Western genre. And yet, at least for me, it felt completely natural to the point where as much as I knew that it was a Western film, but set in the modern, like, it didn't dawn on me until halfway through the movie how many tropes I had already seen, like how they go to... At one point, you see a saloon, a casino, uh, cattle herding. I mean, you know, like everything is there, and yet it all feel, it all feels pretty organic. I honestly hadn't even thought about this being a western until you started talking about it. Oh, so it it absolutely is. Yeah, um, well, there you go. And of course, they're watching Sha- 
Jane, which is yeah, all about a I, man. I, yeah, I picked that one up. Yeah, but, but there, which is all about a man who like is essentially caught between violence for justice or just uh, you know not and staying true to himself, which is of course Logan. Him, you know, Wait from, a minute, that that initial scene where um, that guy got gunned down by the by the man in black was that the Western film where he's just like, "There's the gun, pick it up," and t- kept on telling him to pick up the gun. Wait, what? Have you seen Shame? Shane. 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 Have you seen it? I I have not in a while. Okay. But Number. are Number. we talking about a scene that happened in this movie, or are you just We're talking, talking about, about a scene in Shane? Oh, sorry. Um, no, I haven't seen Shane in quite some time. It's like a three and a half hour movie. All and, right. Um, really quickly, yep. something that uh, I had to make a small, snarky, whispering comment to Dusan, and he burst out into laughter, which was fantastic. <laughs> Uh, but the scene where Logan is being uh, pulled up the rock mountain <laughs> yes, uh, had a striking resemblance uh, to a scene from Hacksaw Ridge. And um, I just whispered to him and just said, Lord, let me save one more. And it Lord, just... Lord, let me save one more. <laughs> it was yes. Just, but instead of like wow. taking him down, you're just like, bringing yeah. him up to hell. Jesus. <laughs> yes! Yes, Jesus was a big part of that movie. Yeah. Very oh, good. Man. They went back for his little Bible. That yeah. was cute. Yeah. Let's risk death to save a piece of paper. Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I thought that a lot of the performances here are actually really good. Patrick Stewart, uh, yeah, I thought, was... his best performance oh, yeah. yet of, I'm, of I mean, Xavier. I mean, I actually pretty much agree with that. And I feel like a big part of it is more so than... Logan slash Wolverine because we still get a lot of the bloodthirst that people have of wanting to see him just destroy people in an R rating, which you absolutely get. Um, but I think you see an extremely vulnerable uh, Professor X here in a uh, state that feels uncomfortable, which is what um, dying is. So... That was something. Boyd Holbrook, um, perfectly cast because he didn't have to do anything, uh, yeah. and that was great. When when he showed up and he started, you know, like his scenes were happening, whatever. I was like, oh wow, Boyd Holbrook is tolerable. Like that's actually kind of good. And then when it's revealed that he's not really the villain, I'm like, holy shit, this is like a great use of Boyd Holbrook because he should be overshadowed by the fact that there are other people, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, even like the most problematic aspect of uh, <laughs> of the casting news uh, is pretty well handled. Yeah. So it's, there's a lot there's a lot of things here uh, that you can easily uh, like, and we've, we've already hit on quite a few of them. Uh when I was talking about the pacing and the, and the kind of the middle part of this film, I feel like once they leave the casino and then go to the to the farmhouse and then they Whoa. involve uh huh then they involve the uh, the dispute between the owner and then the the people. water owners yeah, yeah. I, that is like. Classic West. Haven't you ever watched Have Gun, Will Travel? I mean, that's Richard Boone's character in a nutshell, a wandering uh, gunslinger who's allowed to solve problems because of his pragmatic outlook on life and death. I really like the futuristic uh, world building in this, especially like uh-huh. the that's whole the, the whole mining machines that were just like using that like super corn in order to turn into like corn syrup and shit. Like that felt very Looper esque. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even just saying that because of that. It's like it's the it's a, it's the, it's the rural future that really kind of like brings that home for me. It's like that's what kind of like anchors that comparison between the two for me. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. See, I'm on the opposite end in the okay. sense that the middle of the movie was by far my favorite stretch hmm. of time. Okay. Uh, even my favorite scene is in the middle, which is the scene in which uh, Charles Xavier is talks to X24 in the bedroom. Uh, when he talks about how he doesn't deserve the day he just had and like the pathos in that whole scene and how he's essentially undone by misplaced faith in who he thinks Logan can be um, versus what he really is. How about uh, really, I'm sorry to interrupt, but how about when, uh, when the actual Logan comes back and basically Almost like a kid who just got in trouble pretty much says, I, it wasn't me who did that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah. just like 
totally just broken down. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, quite good. For sure. Um, but I love that. That was probably my favorite scene, and even that whole, from the start of them coming in contact with that family, that was the, like, the pathos of the movie in general, which is that in between the violence, there are very real people that are trying their best to forget about, not necessarily even in a, like a PTSD way, but trying to forget who they are when society tells them who they should be. I mean, that's the whole, not the theme per se of the movie, but that's certainly one of them when, um, you know, I think it's Logan who says it to Laura, says don't be, or is it? Xavier, who said that, but at some point, one of them says, don't be who they say you are, and um, I think it's Logan. It's Logan at the very end. Yeah, uh, to Laura. Dying to Laura. Yep, and that's ultimately been Logan's problem from the very beginning, which is that if he could just believe in himself, then he could be a decent person, and ultimately, I think, what's also wonderful about Logan is that even if it's the most violent chapter in the entire X-Men saga, um, it, his character is still redeemed. Uh, you know, he's still, I think, at least a, a good person. He just brought to do uh, awful things. And that's also, of course, why he's begging for the sweet release of death, because even he doesn't think that he should be able to uh, live with what he's done. It's hard to think of an X-Men film after this, and I'm not talking about continuity or canon or any of that other shit. I'm just talking about another X-Men installment uh, regardless of it's this generation of X-Men or like the, the X-Men first class generation, you know what I'm saying? Um, it, it's hard to think of a future installment, which will inevitably happen and come after this because this one feels so substantive. It feels so climactic. It feels so complete on its own that I, 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 I don't want to go back to, to people just shooting lasers at each other pew, pew. and, and, fucking like quicksilver as much as i like those scenes like i just i, I just like this at the I, very I really like least this. whatever will follow which something will unfortunately yeah. at least this movie did have the balls to like say this is the end like you know whoever takes it up after you know can do whatever the hell they want but uh, this movie actually does take a bow which is kind of rare i mean yeah, i don't absolutely. think marvel studios would have allowed a movie to be this finite in its ending in my opinion, at least. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think part of it is that, A, the the comic book superhero world, Wolverine can always come back as a different actor or character. But when you have a... But, a, a, but, but when you yeah. have a character who's been played for such a long time, played so well by Hugh Jackman, and you have somebody who's very clear that he doesn't want to be in these anymore even yeah. though he's clearly enjoyed being in them for almost 20 years now but he's he's done and he wants to do this final chapter um you know this is one of those fitting moments where we can actually say you watched a film and saw what the end looks like for professor x and for wolverine and right it was it was uh, a f- fantastic um, creation of that. Right, but I still don't think Marvel Studios would do something like this. I don't think um, either A, they're going to stick to the comic logic, yes, of like, if Chris Evans decides to quit, then Bucky Barnes becomes Winter Soldier, or if they kill somebody off, there will be a post-credit stinger. I mean, you know, this movie, I think, is incredibly restrained in any hints of a future for the characters that die. Um, that There is no post-credits scene which is sounds silly to like praise this movie for because it ultimately i'm praising it for a scene that doesn't exist and yet that is a huge leap of faith for a superhero movie these days to not uh um like this movie is so confident in what it's doing that it knows the title card of logan is a good enough final statement to leave this audience with than to beg them to come to see Deadpool. And like, you know, I mean, the Deadpool teaser is silly as I thought I feel was. like that was But there. that was before. I feel like that was only there really at the at the behest of Ryan Reynolds and of, and of Tim Miller. Probably. really just wanted to just... But at least it was before the movie had actually started. Right, yeah. That's saying something. That's that that feels significant. To Can we really quickly there. talk about it for sure. five seconds before we mm-hmm. finish up Logan? I just want to say, okay, I know I don't like Deadpool. Um, what? I know. 
But here, once again, I'm caught in how I feel about Deadpool. And this, the little teaser that plays before Logan is like a perfect microcosm of what I don't like about Deadpool, which is that when the teaser started, I was like, okay, Deadpool, whatever. Um, But it launches into what I thought was a fantastic joke. It's Deadpool seeing crime happening and then getting stuck in the phone booth trying to change into his costume. Like that in and of itself, I actually was finding pretty funny. I thought the physical comedy aspect of it was great. I thought the even the sound mixing of actually hearing uh, the crime continuing to happen and the old man shouting, doesn't anybody listen? Whatever. Yeah. I actually thought that was all great. But then it just goes into latter-day family guy style where... The joke is over because I really thought the teaser was going to end the minute I heard a gunshot. I knew I'm like, a gunshot is coming soon, and I thought it would just end. But no, the gunshot happens, he gets out, and then Ryan Reynolds has to just talk to a corpse for a good two minutes yeah, or so. It wasn't that long. But okay, yeah, it, it goes beyond. Yeah, no, it was There's even like credits for the stinger, essentially, because it mm. continues. There's and, also the Logan poster in the... Yeah. In the shot. So um, but he and he's laying down on the guy. Like I know he's supposed yeah. to be an asshole, but like at the end of the day, it's just like it, it, it felt all, rushed. It, it just like always takes just, a funny thing that I can find why other people find it funny, but they, then it drags it on to they, the point where it's like no, they just stop. they threw a a a teaser that was solely produced to be played with this film um, that offered no content from any new. Deadpool uh, film and it was just completely self-serving and uh, not good. I agree. So I was, I was, I was not a fan at all, even though I really enjoyed the first Deadpool movie. I thought that teaser trailer was uh, just another long list of something that nobody needs in their life. Like, Nobody needs 14 different versions of the new Guardians of the Galaxy trailer because now we've all seen every single frame from the film. So I could put it together. I could put the fucking film together and watch that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, um, Logan. When it comes to Logan, uh, why don't we go on to final thoughts? And I, I think we all, for the most part, enjoyed the film. And uh, Nick, do you want to go first or do you want to go last? I want to go last. Okay, I'll go. Okay. I give this film a four out of five. I don't typically give those out very, very, very often, but I feel like this film warrants that it deserves it. Um, And I'm actually surprised at that myself. I'm surprised that a superhero film actually like um, compelled me to sort of like break out of my holding pattern of like withholding too much praise at an initial, um, Mr. Watch, but I did love this film. I think that it's great. I love all the performances in this film. I I love the production details. I love the fact that Logan is actually dead. Um and I'm glad that his death Spoilers. actually his death actually meant something. So yeah, it was a great send off for a character and it was also a great culmative um analysis of that character. So yeah. Right on. Uh, I also give this film a four out of five. Uh, I thought this was was a very very strong superhero film, um, and a just wonderful send off for Hugh Jackman as as Wolverine. Is he's able to really go all in with his character of both Logan and Wolverine, and at the same time uh, go full circle in terms of the extreme violence, but also uh, at least in my opinion, by far. Uh, the most heartfelt moments of his character that he's had throughout this entire series. Probably the closest he would have would have had uh, would be in a film that I still don't hate, uh, but the third X-Men film, when we get the culmination of the Phoenix storyline, uh, it gets almost silly comic booky towards the end. So we get some very real heartfelt moments here, both with Professor X and with his actual daughter, who... Um, I agree with Nick. Uh, Laura is uh, someone who I thought was fantastic here as a character in both that performance uh, as well. Uh, was was actually quite good from from a you know eleven year old or however old the the actress is. I thought she did a, a really strong job, and she also was a complete badass when she was cutting up people like no one's business. So 
Um, overall, uh, other than a couple kind of not so great moments in the middle and then the terrible final uh, moment of the uh, cross being turned into X, which I thought was kind of silly for me. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, that kind of pushed pushed it for me, but I'm just like, you know what, I'll, I'll give it this one indulgence. There's, a, there's nothing wrong with giving it an indulgence. It was just kind of silly to me. So it's just, it's, it's just one indulgence. It's you a, guys are silly. Uh-huh. So, it's uh, a gesture by an 11-year-old who's read too many comics. It's fine. You don't think she would make a flamboyantly touching gesture? See, that's that's why I just like I just rolled with it. It's fine. Mm. Okay. Anyways. See if I turn a cross on either one of your graves. Oh, wait, you won't, because you'll both be dead. <laughs> All right, Nick, what did you feel about... So, anyways, uh, it's a four out of five for me for Logan, which I thought was uh, was a really, really good film, and this is uh, this has been a really good year so far. So, let's move it on to Nick. I thought Logan was good. <laughs> I thought as a conclusion to something I've been watching for the past 20 years... Like somehow the X-Men franchise has always beat the odds in my eyes. Even movies that I hate, like X-Men Wolverine or Origins or something like that, I find compulsively watchable uh, in this franchise. And it's always been because of Hugh Jackman uh, and his character. So there is nothing more fitting, uh, in my opinion, than this send-off for the character. And I am so happy that this franchise as a whole, even if there are going to be more... Uh, you know, X-Men movies that essentially, though, this franchise is over in its iteration as we know it, um, that it gets this wonderful uh, closure. I think the full circle of everything from the original X-Men movie all about uh, a a pissant trying to be uh, groomed by a a uh, pretentious professor it comes full circle uh, here when it kind of becomes the rules are reversed and I think both resent each other for it you know um, like you know I and I love that this movie plays with that dynamic um, and what's great about this movie is that it recycles a lot of tropes we've seen even in the X-Men franchise itself, like I mentioned earlier with the uh, lone wolf and cub scenario that Logan always seems to find himself in. But that alone is actually what makes it more profound because it it knows its characters inside and out, and it knows that the reason why that keeps happening is because of Logan's own penchant for doing the right thing when these things happen, and that's also why, you know, his self-loathing persists because of these self-repeated patterns that he thinks is self-sabotage, but it really is just a display of humanity, um, and it's just fantastic through and through. Um, any weak part of this movie is really not essential, and that's what I love, whether it be Boyd Holbrook's character or, you know, just a few plot mechanics here and there. Because at the end of the day, this is a superhero film that is more in tune with the history of cinema and with its own character's uh, self-turmoil that it just gets so much right that I have to applaud it for that. And it really makes me (laughs) really not want to watch another superhero movie again because (laughs) I don't see anything in the next couple years that's really going to... Um, deliver what I think this did, and that's going to be a sad uh, state of affairs because I because it it in no way reinvigorated my love or not my love but my hope for the future of superhero movies. But it certainly closed a book that I have had uh, an extremely enjoyable time reading, and and I would say repurposed and revalidated any affection I had for this character and these stories. It's like the exact inverse of how I felt after Batman v Superman, where it's just like, I never want to watch another fucking superhero film again. It's like not out of exasperation or, or depression, but out of sheer fulfillment and just like, yeah, this is, this, this feels right. Superman with everything you wanted to see. Oh, that was fucking awful. It was just abysmal. Yeah. But you just said Batman v Superman. I'm really confused right now. Mm, sorry. No, no, I mean, like, did you mean Batman v Superman? I'm saying that Logan makes me not want to see another superhero film for the right reason. Oh, you're saying, oh, I got it. It's the Because you were it's talking the, about Batman v Superman, so I'm like, are you still talking about Batman? No, I gotcha. No, no. But yes, it is the inverse. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the day, 
There's a million things I could say, but I won't. And I am stuck between two ratings. So I'm going to err on the side of caution, but I can't wait to see it again because I could see it actually rising. Uh, but it's four out of five for me, and it's easily my favorite superhero movie since... Yeah, I mean, if we're just talking... It's easily my favorite Marvel slash DC superhero movie ever made. Okay. Because obviously I think my top two superhero movies were The Incredibles and Unbreakable, and those are very different and original Mm -hmm. original properties. So it's easily my favorite uh, comic book uh, superhero movie ever made. Excellent. Good stuff. Well, if you out there have any thoughts on uh, Logan, please feel free to send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. Coming up on our next episode, uh, we've been doing a lot of newer films lately, so thought we'd take a turn back uh, a little ways and, and do something a little older. Uh, so for our next episode, uh, I thought we'd go back and do an episode on the film The Man Who Fell to Earth. Oh. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Fuck <right>. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> That was that was a very delayed reaction, but okay. I, thought, no, I was just in shock. I was like, "Yeah, I, I had no idea what, what it... you said at first. Oh, okay. I wasn't expecting." Oh, okay. That. Yeah. Do you, if you well, guys want to do something else, we can. No, no. Okay, <laughs> let's do this. If you want to know too, the the interesting reaction um, of my two co-hosts. Uh, Tucson had brought up doing an episode on this, and I pretty much completely disregarded it. Yeah. So um, I think uh, this would be a, a good time for it. When you said it, I was like, okay, what other movie is called The Man Who <laughs> Found Her? <laughs> so, so, okay. No, All right. But uh, we'll be doing the 1976 science drama coming up on episode 105. Wee! Yay! What I was going to really quickly say, okay. uh, but I forgot to mention, which isn't Logan-specific, but... I will say this is another example of why I think James Mangold is a very underrated director, not because he's flashy or has his own style, but I've never seen a director so effortlessly step into so many different genres and just make something so compulsively watchable because between uh, Walk the Line, which I think is a great biopic, um, Identity, which is a very silly but I think enjoyable thriller, um, his Western remake, 310 to Yuma, even his, uh, he's, he loves Western. Because between that remake and Copland, which is essentially a cop movie that's a, a modern western, and now his two Wolverine movies, um, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm always excited for a new James Mangold project, and no one ever says his name, so I hope he becomes a pseudo household name. Like it's not that he's going to launch to stardom or anything, but uh, I'm glad to at least see he's getting positive reviews and getting his due. He's getting positive reviews, and not that it's going to be in the same ballpark. But that was a pretty crowded theater. That was. That we saw Logan in. For so, an X-Men movie? Mm-hmm. Like, that's... Uh, yeah, as yeah. we know from the internet, people apparently hate the X-Men. So. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. do. But no, that was a very, very crowded theater. Um, and we've gone and seen other films that you would anticipate. Now I'm talking about, like, I'm not talking about, like, Avengers. or But other films that you would anticipate would draw large audiences on opening night. And they haven't. And uh, this definitely drew out a, a pretty good number of people. So we'll see uh, what the opening weekend is for this R-rated film. Boom. Uh, you can always find our episodes on FilmTankShow.com or also on iTunes or Stitcher as well. And you can find us also on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at FilmTankShow. From Nick Cheney to Son Egan, myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much for catching up with us here at Film Tank. And we'll catch up with you next time.